your very own glory that's with us every step of the way. Lord, we're never alone, Lord Jesus. We're never forgotten, forsaken. So God, we just need the reminder because, Lord, we're so distracted and we're so easily disheartened in our lives. But thank you for giving us a chance to come back and to dig deeper into who you are, into uh, your purpose for our lives and the will of God. Uh, so open our eyes and help us see the beauty of Jesus in a greater way today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> it's a new month. Uh, so as you can see on your bulletin, uh, on the second page in the inside, there's a new reading schedule. Uh, we had a wonderful discussion this past Thursday. About eight of us gathered together, talked about Genesis and Exodus, and it was just a beautiful time. It's been such a long time that, as a church, we were able to come together uh, in person for something. So that's the idea, is that as the pandemic is moving on, hopefully, and just kind of putting behind us, we want to uh, reactivate and restart our uh, fellowships. So really just pencil it in. Right now, it's scheduled to be every last uh, Thursday and Saturday of the month. I, it's, more, it's not a Bible study. It's really just a fellowship. I, I just call it the Bible Believers Group. If you want to believe the Bible and you believe the Bible, you're, you're, you're welcome to come. But again, yeah, from now, as you can see in our schedule, it's one book per week. So um, as you can see, some of the books, you cannot read every part of it, but I highlighted the chapters that I want you to read. Uh, but more important than filling out the requirement, it's actually... Just moving your heart, having a, making an intentional decision in your heart to say, God, I love you, and I want to spend my life with you. So open the Bible. It, you don't have to read many chapters. Just read one word, one verse. Just think about the Lord and, and fight. It, it's really going to be a big spiritual battle for you to do this because Satan would love it if you never open the Bible. He's like, I am so happy for you. Thank you for not opening the Bible. But just open that Bible. Leave it open. Just make a holy place and live. All right, so Leviticus, here we go. The Leviticus, it means of the Levites. So, you know, you could say C-U-M-C-U-S, right, or Inquancus, right? It just means of the Levites. Who are the Levites? We're going to talk about uh, why they're important today. Now, for those of you who have ever read this chapter, this, this uh, book, when you read it, it reads like a... Uh, I don't know if we have some lawyers here, but uh, how many of you guys know that's like a study guy for the bar exam? It's going to be pretty difficult. It really reads like that. <laughs> it's so detailed, the procedures, you're supposed to do this and then that and this. And it's all about what's right or what's wrong. But it also reads like a complete guide to become a butcher. Like it, it's a lot of bloody sacrifices. Cut the animal here, leave this part here, leave the fat on the, on the spleen, leave the fat on the liver. And then burn it here, put the blood here. Oh, my gosh, it's pretty crazy, right? If you read it, it's not like a thing that you just, like, happy reading, just, you know, you're, you're waiting in the airport and just want to spend your time. This is probably not the book you're going to read. But it's very important. Um, but many times people reading this book, especially non-believers, may wonder how to deal with the contents in Leviticus. In fact, some of you as Christians, maybe you've never read it, and you read it, and you're like, is this the Bible? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? 
Well, one of the ways that I can encourage you, right, is to process the strange things that you may see in this Bible that may be, may be difficult to comprehend. I want you to understand that this is chapter 3 of a book that has 66 chapters, 66 books in the book of Bible. So you got to read the whole story, right? And just like Amanda mentioned, if you just read parts, and it doesn't make sense. But when you read it completely, you're like, ah, I get it, right? Seriously, right? It, it's all going to make sense. And like I said, God is always working towards good. So that's what you have to have the mindset. When you read the Bible, what is God trying to do in this thing, in the whole picture? You know, like the, some of the best movies that you've seen, those are the ones that have the twists and the surprise plots, right? There's, you get, you get uh, things that you didn't expect. They, they take you on a path that you thought you were on, where you were going a different path. It's like weaving the many stories, and the Bible is just like that. To understand the whole, appreciate the whole, you, you cannot read just the parts. Like the movie Parasite, right? When you watch the whole thing, then you're like, oh, I understand the, the whole point of the story. We cannot take just the part, but wait for the whole story. In fact, a friend, of, of a church member was asking, yeah, the friends were saying, what do you do with this thing? I said, you have to look at the whole story to understand the individual parts. But here it is, Leviticus of the Levites. That's what it literally means. This is a book of instructions of laws and commands for the tribe of Levi. Of the 12 tribes of Levi, the Levites were chosen to become the priests of God. And these people were, uh, were instructed in the following two things. The book of Leviticus talks about how to properly worship God, how you can be in his presence and not be struck down, and how to live with one another without killing each other, which is something that happened very often, destroying each other, how to worship God and how to live one another. This is exactly what I talked about last uh, Sunday in the Exodus and the Ten Commandments is really just two main things, right? The first four commandments talking about how to love God and the last six talking about how to love others. And that's exactly what it is. And the ultimate point of Leviticus, all in all, is teaching us how to be holy. What does it mean to be holy is a question that the book of Leviticus answers. So what is holy? The word holy means Kodesh in the Hebrew, it means sacred. It means set apart. Maybe the word different, uh, you know, something, something uh, special, right, to use just like our word, something that you keep sacred, something that is different than just the mundane. So when, when God obviously brought the Israelites out of the slavery, as we understood, God who was walking with individuals in the families now wants to create, create a nation, and he wants this nation to be set apart from any other nation. And if you remember, the purpose of that ultimately is for the salvation of the entire world. But this nation, from its birth, was set apart for God's purpose. So sacred is something that God sets apart for himself. So you can compare it as something that's not of the world, something holy. What's important about this being holy is this, because the truth is many of us set many things apart in our house, right? Every one of us have compartments, right? We have, like, you don't put, like, your, your, your kitchen stuff in your, in your bedroom, right? You don't put your bathroom stuff in your closet. That's a, that's a true thing. But the special thing about being holy as God is de de defining it is he wants the people of God to be of one substance, 
What is the substance? What is the thing that God wants you to be set apart into? Is the image of God. The image simply means the likeness of God. God is trying to raise up a people who can be with him and become like him. Because until this point, there is no people that has said yes to God except through Abraham's obedience, his children were chosen by God to be blessed so that the entire world can be blessed and come back to God, right? But to do that, that nation had to represent him. That nation had to be like God. So that's why in our passage today, the Lord, in the middle of giving all these laws and commands, says, you, Israel, are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. See, right there, the Lord wants Israel to grow up to become like him. Holy because God is not a part of the messed up things, the evil, the injustice, the abuse, the ugly things of the world that is part of sin. He is not of this world, but he wants a people to come out of sin to become like him and so they can do the work of his kingdom and his holiness. And he says, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Right there, the definition of the word holy is to set them apart to be his own. To become holy as, as he is holy. So the laws and commands that you have in the Bible, in Leviticus, it shows you and me and the people of Israel how you can get to God's nature again. Because they lost it. All of us lost the glory of God. We are not like God. We are, we are deep inside as, the, as a humanity, wicked in our heart, violent, selfish, and we've become of a different essence when we sinned. But God is saying, become holy, become set apart. And the thing is, to be his own, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but we are God's people. He created us, but when we were separated, we have to now find a way to return. We have to be restored into God's again. So the word holy means to be of one substance with God, and also it means anti-sin, meaning it's the, it has to be the absence of sin. You cannot mix God and sin and dwell together, right? And that's where it gets really difficult because sin is, has become a part of deeply in our DNA, who we are. We're born into sin. How can we become holy? How can we become one substance? It's like salt water and fresh water does not mix oil and water it is very impossible, very difficult, almost impossible. So when you read Leviticus this week, um, you might notice something that I noticed. I noticed more than before how many death penalties there are for sin. Uh, there are certain things that uh, God lists in uh, Leviticus, actually Leviticus 20, where our verse comes from, before it and after it is, is listed with death penalties, things that warrant you to be dead. Right? Punishment for your sin is dead. Some of them, uh, there's about 36 of them in total uh, in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all over num numbers. When you put it together, about 36 that are, that are death penalties. Um, some of them seem justified. For example, God says, whoever sacrifices their children to the god Molech right, or to any other idol, that is deserving of capital punishment. I think that's pretty close, right? I mean, if you're Someone's so crazy that you're sacrificing your children. I mean, that's one of the, you know, that has to, has to have the highest penalty possible. But what about some other things that result in death? 
like adultery, right? Um, we know, we, we, we hope it doesn't happen, but we know it's around, right? It's around in, in people we know. Well, according to scripture, we got to stone them. <laughs> or for working on Sabbath. I mean, Sabbath technically is you know, from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So if you've ever worked in that period of time, all of us, <laughs> let's just all, you know, be, be dead. So, but it's in essence, the truth is this. We think that's extreme, but the reality is of every sin, the result of sin, all of it leads to death, right? We die because of sin. We have sickness. We have brokenness. We are we're doomed. We're, we're led into destruction because sin's fruit, sin's cost, the price of sinning is all death together. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death is not God's creation. That's not his idea. God never intended death, but because of sin we die. But God is saying, become holy, become like me, one who does not die. How do we do this? So all in all, the, as you read Leviticus, you may be wondering, why is God demanding such holiness with such intensity, Right? He may be asking God, God, why are you so serious? Why can't you just calm down, God? Let's just take it easy. Let's just get some shotgun and just be cool. No, right? I want to ask you a question, right? Would you drink this water, my friends? Well, sorry, this is already drunk water, but let's pretend this is a, a sealed, brand new water from Arrowhead, right? Would you drink this water? Raise your hand, raise your hand if this is, you're so thirsty and you're just like, like, you know, you're, you're, you're in this weather. You know, right now there's a heat wave around the whole world. But how about if you take this brand new water and just take a drop of poop? I mean, just, just a tiny, okay, fine. Just half a drop. Or, okay, fine. What about just vapor of poop? Just like, just near, near the poop and just, just little vapor. And then I give it to you and say, you're sweating. You've been playing soccer, you know, for five hours and hey, would you like to drink it? Would you drink it knowing that it has that in there? Who would drink it? Ah, well, that's, a, that's classified information. But obviously, most of us, knowing that it's there, we won't. I hope, right? So why don't we just tell God, God, come on. I mean, it's just small sin. Just small. Like, just, that's, like, that's not even adultery. That's just like you just took like $10 from someone's pocket. Give me just small sin, right? Why don't you just relax and just, just accept it as holy, right? Or fine, if that doesn't uh, make sense, what about virus? What about if sin is a virus? Let's take COVID-19, for example. Well, it's so small. Virus, you can't see it. It's so tiny, just a tiny drop of COVID. Let's take that. How many of you guys would say, oh, it's just a small, tiny COVID-19. Why don't we just put it in your nose? Just one little drop of COVID-19. Just... You're, you're, you're huge. I mean, the little, 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 tiny, tiny drop. Fine, just half a drop. No, no, just a vapor of COVID. Most of us would say no. <laughs> Sin is small, but it is powerful. Whatever it mixes with, no matter how small the sin, it kills. It has no other purpose in life but to kill whatever it touches. It alters the image of God in us and cuts us off from God. Believe me, God wants us to be his own. He wants to be one with us. He wants us to be in paradise. I mean, think about parents, right? 
In fact, these days, as I'm by myself, I spent already two weeks. I cannot believe I survived this long without my wife and my, my son. Every time I see videos of my son, my heart stops, you know, and I'm like, wow, he's so cute, you know, and like, I, I don't want to look at it anymore because I, I don't want to get depressed. I don't want to start crying. But, you know, two more months, praise the Lord. I need, I need, this is God's uh, uh, training for me uh, to, to depend on him more. But, you know, it, my love for a, a child is that strong. How much more God wants to be with us, but he can't, right, because of the sin in us. See, so working against us being holy as God is, God is not the one that says, you know, stiff-arming stiff us, say, stay away from me. No, he's inviting us, but the anti-holiness agent is called sin in us. And, and to understand sin maybe in, in, in reality, because some people may think, I don't think I'm a sinner. Many of us think that, Pastor Ingoin, I don't think I deserve the death penalty. I, I don't think that I need punishment. I think I'm pretty good, right? But sometimes sin is exactly like a sleeper agent. Have you heard of that term? It's like a spy, right? We know that in this world there are spies that cross over, and some of them are really good. They go into a foreign nation, and they become one of the locals, right? They have all the paperwork. They have all this store story and nobody knows that you get your best friend they go to your son's game and all that but then after a certain amount of time whether it's months or years or decades suddenly they turn and then they do the evil work that they were sent to do for that country sin is like that it's it's your friend it's hanging out we're i think i'm all good and then but we don't know there is cancer we don't know that we have something that has already destroyed everything that is part of us Though it may be like a small drop of poop or drop of virus, sin will grow and disqualify us from the living in God's image and his holiness. Therefore, sin cannot mix with God's image, his holiness. But God is inviting us. He's teaching us how can we be holy in the book of Leviticus. Can you turn to your neighbor and say this? I'm sorry that I'm such a sinner. Please forgive me. Turn to your neighbor and say this. I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Yeah. Yeah, people watching online too, just turn to your dog or turn to your spouse and say, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. See, we say that, but it's because the truth is that the sin that you know that you've done, that you're doing now, is just the tip of the iceberg. We don't know the depth of how crazy, how damaging sin as part of us is. And so we want to, we need to become set apart for God again. Jesus said that his kingdom is like a tiny mustard seed or like the faith also like a mustard seed that moves mountain, but that when it's planted, it can grow and become the biggest tree in the garden. But likewise, the Satan's kingdom, his lies that lead us to disobedience and sin is the same principle. It's small, just a little disobedience, just a little distraction. We think it's okay, but it's building a pride in our life. We're becoming callous to God. We don't understand the cost of not being holy in this life. See, when God gives his strong requirements in the, of the law and the commandments, it's not just God enjoying, I just love laws. I just love commandments. Oh, my gosh. I just want people to be, live life hard and, and become suffering through my laws. No, it's because he's truthful. God cannot lie. If he is going to tell us how to be holy, he's going to tell us the whole story. And to us, reading it, it's like, Wow. I cannot do that. 
But see, because God knows, he's seen the effect of sin. He's seen the, the whole, the entire damage of sin. In fact, in Leviticus 18, he explains why he's teaching his people how to be holy, how to be clean. Because he says, do not defy yourselves in any of these ways that he just listed. Because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Sin has defiled. It has, it has made you, uh, what's the word, um, spoiled, right? It, it, it has ruined who you are. And it says in verse 25, even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Yes, sin is like a virus that has one purpose, to grow and to destroy. And so I said, God, the Lord says, but you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the foreigners residing among you must do not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. The things that God is asking of the people of Israel is not just him just thinking out of the hand. I think you should do this. No, he's seen what disobeying his commands can do, how it kills, how it destroys, and he's saying, do not be defiled like them. Therefore, even to the Israelites, if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations before you, were before you. And it's true, in the history of Israel, many times the nation of Israel were vomited out of the promised land, two times at least, three times, if you count Assyria and Babylon. So that's the reality. God is trying to bring us, God is trying to restore us to his image so that we will be free of sin, right? If, if your child has crazy virus that, you know, that is destroying him, you would do everything you can to help that virus. And if there is a way, you would tell him. And that's what Leviticus is. See, the law, again, many people confuse the law as God. No, no, no. God is the one who wants you back, who loves you, who wants to save you. The law is just the device that, that exposes what is keeping you from him. It is, like I said, going to the doctor who is God, and the doctor does not know what's wrong with you, but he brings an x-ray, he brings an MRI, CAT scan, to show you in detail what is exactly wrong with you, and that's the scripture. So every time you open it, the first reaction you're going to get is, whoa, 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 whoa. But lean into it. Let the Lord light shine. Let the Lord cat scan you. Let the Lord x-ray you. And so you can say, God, this is why this is happening in my life. It will show you. It will teach you what's wrong. So in the book of Leviticus, God gives the people of God two remedies. He gives them a list of offerings and a list of festivals that they can be restored. Because he knows that they're going to, in fact, I want to clarify something. It's not like God gave this law and every time, you know, he wasn't like happy with destroying them. Because the truth is this, God is more merciful than we understand. Even though he gave the law, there were many, many times that people crossed it and God did not kill them. <laughs> you know, so many times that they're deserving. But he's given us the offering, the festivals, as a way to be cleaned again. We need to be cleaned time and time and time again. So here we go. I want to share with you guys what these are. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the offerings. Just going to give you a very brief uh, description of them. Uh, but basically, offering is basically not done like us. We just hand the basket. But back then, it was, you had to, it was big bloodshed. You had to bring animals. Uh, all of them was like you had to cut the animal. And you have to realize that the penalty of your sin is what? Death. And you're seeing the animal die. And you're realizing, wow, my sin, that's my sin. So God actually did that so you could have a sense of churning of heart and say, gosh, I should stop fighting. I should stop punching my neighbor, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know. So you can learn, wow. What I'm doing is leading into this death. So anyways, 
first one, there's five of them. The first one, burnt offering, is simple. It's what God gave the Israelites an opportunity for whenever they were uh, unclean, whether they touched uh, blood or they, they touched something dead, they had to, in order to be one with God again, in order to be holy, you had to cleanse yourself. And so that's when you bring burnt offering, your uh, goat or whatever, doves or whatever. That, that is so long in the Leviticus, you can read it. And the second one is grain offering. It goes right along with burnt offerings. Every, every other offering is animal, but grain offering is the only one that that basically is to, is to praise God, and it was used with burnt offering, but it was also an opportunity for poor people who cannot afford to kill an entire animal uh, to bring grain, which was cheaper and more available. So God obviously understands our situation. And the third one is peace offering. There's, an, there's actually an offering where you just want to give thanks to God. You just want to adore him, just want to worship him, you know, because you, you don't only work, give to God when you're, when, you're, when you're sorry for something. So this is an act of thanksgiving offering, okay? And then there was the guilt offering, right? The guilt offering was used to reconcile offenses before God and especially between individuals and properties. When you have an argument with somebody and then you, like, steal something or you, like, punch them or even worse, you know, do something that you're not supposed to do, and guilt offering was, was offered. And then sin offering, uh, number one through four is all voluntary. Number five is the only thing that you have to do. Uh, it's an atonement for sin that you had to do regularly because, again, these are for sins that you don't even know you're, you're committing. So these are, they, God offered, uh, God gave them a chance to pray for the sins that they're not even aware of. So you can read more about that in Leviticus. But I want to talk about the festivals because it's kind of cool that the Lord is somebody who wants, who requires festivals. So you, you, you can see that God's not just like this dry, this principle who just like, you know, only numbers. No, no, he's a God that wants to bring joy in our lives, right? So here are the six festivals. The first one that kicks off the year of uh, the Israelites is the Passover and unleavened bread. This is one of the most important ones. Why? Because this is the one that remembers that when they were Israel in Egypt for 400 slaves on that Passover night at the 10th at the plague that killed all of the firstborn in Egypt, what the Israelites were commanded to do, as you know, was they killed a lamb and they took the blood and posted it on the, they pasted it on the door frame of their house. And then that night, basically, it's un, they had unleavened bread because they didn't have time to make the bread rise. So the bread was just flat like pita bread. And they, were, they were, had their shoes ready because at, at a moment's notice, they had to flee. It was a night that they were free from the, 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 the 400 years of slavery. And what happened, the angel of death came, and then whenever there was no blood in the house, he would enter and kill everything that's firstborn. Firstborn dog, firstborn cow, firstborn cat, firstborn father, uh, not, not father, son. This is the one that obviously Pharaoh finally said, okay, get out of here. But that's why it's called Passover, right? Passover means, uh, it means to be protected or delivered from something. The angel of death literally passed over the Israelites' house. Now, that's a really amazing thing because that's how the Israelites became a nation. That's the moment they were set free. Now, I want to show you that every festival, as I show the festivals, I want to show you guys that God was planning from since the beginning. He knew we cannot survive on the law. Again, the law was to teach this infant nation what is the path. But they, God knew they could not achieve it, so God obviously had a plan. What's interesting is the Passover and the unleavened bread, for us, 
was, was Jesus' fulfillment by dying on the cross. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross on Passover festival night? On that Friday, he died, and that was Passover. And what was him? He was called the Lamb of God. So the Lamb that the Israelites physically placed over their door to be saved from the angel of death is Jesus' blood that was poured for us so that we will never die. So the effect of sin, again, sin's price is death, but we no longer die because of our sins. And Jesus overcame sin and death upon that Friday. That is, and then Jesus, as we're going to remember today in our communion, he is the bread of life that was broken on that Passover night. The next one, Feast of First Fruits. The next, so right after Passover, you're supposed to celebrate the Feast of First Fruits. It's basically the, the Israelites celebrating God, thanking Him like Thanksgiving, like a harvest uh, when there was fertility, right, of the promised land. Whenever God allowed food to be produced, they were supposed to say, God, thank you for this apple. Thank you for this, you know, all these kind of things. But for us, the truth is this is representing the resurrection, Right after the cross, we know at, at, after Jesus died, technically it's the next day, right? It's the third, not, not in three days, on the third day. So he died, and then Saturday he was buried. So on the next day, on that Sunday, Jesus rose again. He became the first fruit of all who believe in him. So not only did Jesus die, but the resurrection, it talks about us being born as again, again in the, in the new life of the resurrection. It gets more interesting. Then after that, 50 days from there, you're supposed to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, the Pentecost, right? The harvest that, that the Lord would bring to them. 50 days after um, the Passover happened, that's when um, Moses' law was given, right? 50 days from the Passover. Do you know what happened 50 days from the resurrection? For us, that's when the Holy Spirit was given, the Feast of Weeks, 50 days, literally, is a time that the Holy Spirit, the promise of Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's for your good, I'm going away, was given to us. What's interesting is this. When the, week, when the, when the Moses' law was given, tragically, that's the moment that the Israelites were worshiping the golden calf. And then what happened was Moses uh, was, asked the people, whoever's with me, come with me. And the Levites, the tribe of Levites, who did not bow down, came to him, and they went and slaughtered 3,000 of the people who were bewildered, who were, who were, who were uh, demonized by this whole idol worship. 3,000 died on the giving of the law, but what happened when the Holy Spirit came? 3,000 were saved. That's the difference that Jesus makes. Finally, the next one, the Day of Atonement was a holy day when the most holy high priest can go one time a year, and this is so cool. He can go into the temple one time of year, the most holy place one time of year, and he can offer to God a sacrifice for all the sin of the nation. It's like God God's made sure he, he, the people have a way out of sin. So this was the one time. Well, guess what? Jesus is our high priest. He's the one that became the one sacrifice that once and for all, all of mankind, sin was taken. So in every of these festivals, it was God saying, you know what, people, I love you. I'm going to make a way. No matter how difficult for you to be restored to me is, I'm going to pay the way. I'm going to design and plan a way to work good in your life. Two more. Feast of Trumpets. It's a very interesting, it's, it's interesting festival when you read Leviticus. It's simply a day where you just blow trumpets and celebrate and no work. It's a day that everyone is supposed to stop working and just have a festival of rest and worship. Just party. Well, what do you think this is foreshadowing? 
Anybody want to take a, take a guess? What is the Feast of Trumpets, the end of work, representing for us? You can say it out loud. The rapture, the second coming. When the, trump, when the angels blow the trumpet, it's it. That's it. No more suffering. The end has come. Jesus will come, and he will judge sin and evil and destroy all of the evil works of Satan once and for all, and we're done. We're no more suffering, no more curse, no more death, no more disease. That day is coming on the day of his coming. Finally, last one, Feast of Booth. This is a moment where the Israelites had to uh, remember the 40 years of wandering and how God was with them. It's a way of looking back at how you suffered and thanking God. Well, guess what? We get to do that in the age to come. Once Jesus returns, we'll, he will live with us a thousand years on this planet, as the scripture says, and he's going to restore all things. He's going to give us, that's when he's going to give us the reward. He will say, Ingwan, you are so faithful. I want you to be the, the, the ruler of, of, uh, of Hawaii, right, or ruler of Cuba. I actually one day prayed, God, I want to be the president of Cuba when you come back. I want Cuba as my inheritance. Anyways, we get to, in that time, celebrate with God, saying, God, that life I had before you came, came back was like the wilderness, but you were faithful. So the Lord has provided. He is not, again, a God who is just so happy to make life hard for you. No, life is hard because we made it so. Life is hard because sin is the one that's ruining us, and God is inviting us, come, come, be holy, be set apart. Let my glory, let my beauty, let my peace, let my joy, let my love, wisdom, my prosperity, let my health, let my wealth be part of who you are because you belong to me. To be holy is the greatest invitation that we can ever be given. To be redeemed into his glory again. But thanks be to God. As Paul explains in Romans 8.3, he says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, not by God. It was weakened by our own flesh. He says, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering and to be the fulfillment of all the festivals. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. He says, sin, you're done. You have no more power to hold back my people from becoming holy becoming united again. Friends, I have a good news to you. Again, when we look at Leviticus, just, just be thankful. Thank God that this law does not apply to me because I have been saved, not through the law, but through the grace of Jesus Christ, simply by faith, because Jesus paid the highest price. Even, use, even the book like Leviticus, we can use it to say, thank you, God, for being the fulfillment of this law that I could not do of this law, that I know I deserve the death penalty. Lord, thank you for being the, the, the one who fulfilled and one who satisfied this requirement so that I can be holy as you are. Friends, holiness now, salvation, righteousness is a gift. That's what's crazy about Jesus Christ. That's why there's nothing more important in our lives than to talk about Jesus who has done it for us. In fact, when we don't have that, we're back under the law, living life, just hoping we can be with God again when the truth is we are, the door is open and God has united us back to him. He has made us holy. He has washed us by his blood. Friends, I want to tell you though, it is not that now we can just sin, right? The moment you sin, the same consequence is still there, right? But what's different this time is that we do not offer bulls and rams and sheep for offering 
but we remember Jesus who died, and in gratitude, we turn our heart and we offer God our lives again. Friends, there's something that the Lord, as it was for this Levi, the, Le, the Leviticus, the Levites or the priests, they had to teach and enforce this book, the people of God. Why? Because this nation was going to become the nation to save the world. And today, you and I are a fulfillment of that. That role has not ended. Friends, you and I have to take this message of overcoming sin and transforming this world to holiness. It has to be applied into your life. You have to now live into the fullness of the holiness of God so that this holiness will spread to the ends of the earth. Until that happens, we're not done. That has to be the greatest important goal in our life is to say, God, how can I invite the rest of this world into your beauty, into your holiness? Because God has made a way. As the praise team comes up today, we're going to remember that moment when Jesus made it possible. Let me pray for us in this time. Father, if the Leviticus, if the law was everything we had, Lord, life would be so depressing and so difficult. I want to say publicly and with everyone in agreement that, Lord, I want to thank the people of Israel for suffering, for attempting, for trying so hard to keep your law, and they did. And today, by their faithfulness, by the people who did obey. Not everyone, Lord, not everyone made it to promised land, but at least the tribe of uh, uh, the leadership of Caleb and Jake, uh, uh, Joshua, they made it, Lord, and so many individuals who were faithful, you and obedient, you showed yourself, and today here we are, a fruit of their obedience. Lord, let this journey to become holy continue ever powerfully. We want to examine our lives. Is there anything, any sin in us that has been operating in us? Is there any stronghold that, Lord, we have allowed and you could not be part of who we are in our lives? God, I thank you for giving us your blood. You made a way for us to be free from that sin, for us to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Today, we can say, as every day, as every morning, we can say, we are still sinners. But Lord, every moment we were reminded of our sin, we can say, Jesus paid for that sin. I am forgiven. Lord, give us the strength today as we remember who you are, what you've done for us. Give us the strength to turn from our wicked ways and to live a life like you. To be holy as you are holy. To be set apart for you, God. In Jesus' name, pray.